Hello, friends. Welcome and thank you so much for tuning in to what is now episode 17 of the Yours Truly podcast, a platform where we go beyond macros and we ditch diets to talk about nutrition in a more gentle way um, and life in a more gentle way. So this is food and living that truly nourishes your body, mind, and spirit and allows you to live a little bit more gently and kindly with yourself. I am your host. My name is Claire Tuning. I'm a registered dietitian and yoga teacher. And today on episode 17, I have a very special guest continuing with our theme of special guests, but um, she is a registered dietitian. Um, She is the owner of Mindfully Intuitive Nutrition, and she works in corporate wellness. Um, So Gisela, thank you so much for being here and welcome. Thank you so much, Claire. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about, I've actually never had someone who works in corporate wellness. I've never had someone here on the podcast. So tell us a little bit about what you do on the daily. Okay. Well, you know, it's so funny because I kind of got into corporate wellness accidentally. And when I really started my business, I was kind of lost as to what I wanted to focus on. And I started my business just over two years ago. And then I really, I started realizing that I loved hosting workshops. I loved um, being in front of a crowd and really just bringing the message of mindful and intuitive eating. And I went to one business to give my workshop because they were hosting like wellness Wednesdays. And they loved my approach and they said, you know, would you be willing to do a full program for us? And I said, really? And they said, yeah. And I said, absolutely. So that's kind of how I fell into it. And I realized that I just love that group setting. I loved really bringing mindful and intuitive eating into the corporate setting and into um, just professionals because they seem to get really lost as to what nutrition is, or they spend hours without eating because they're so stressed and overworked. And so it was really about bringing nourishment back into the office. And so my everyday kind of differs a a little bit here and there. Um, Sometimes I'll have a workshop, a lunch and learn. And sometimes I do work from home. I, my other job is that I do menu analysis, uh, for healthcare facilities. So I do a little bit of that as well. So it just every day, uh, changes, which I love. And lately I've also been trying to get more into schools and universities to also bring this nutrition approach, uh, there. Yeah, that's very cool. I um, definitely resonate with the fact that you do different things every single day. I think that is why entrepreneurialism and just having a hand in every pot is just kind of fun. It keeps you fresh. It keeps you young. But especially with um, mindful and intuitive eating and kind of bringing that to the workplace, that's something that I see because I obviously don't work in the corporate setting, but some of my my clients do. And I find that that lifestyle and um, living that corporate life, kind of what you said, um, um, eating in general can can be overlooked and wellness can be overlooked. So I want to unpack that. But first, I kind of want to travel back a little bit earlier in your time span because I'm simply curious because um, I don't think I've ever read about this or heard about your story. How did you personally get into nutrition? Kind of what's your background that led you to become a dietitian? Okay. Well, I've been a dietitian now uh, almost 10 years, which I still can't believe it's been that long, but I got into nutrition because um, unfortunately when I was, it started in high school, I, I was fighting an eating disorder mm-hmm. and um, no therapy. I mean, I just was very resistant to being helped. And then senior year of high school, I was doing dual enrollment and I took a fitness and wellness class. And I thought that at that time, that's what saved me. And I said, 
oh, I want to major in nutrition so I can help young girls um, help themselves, you know, because this is what saved me kind of thing and learn real nutrition. And unfortunately in school, as much as I loved dietetics and and everything I was learning, um, the sicker I got. And it wasn't until I finally kind of hit rock bottom in my life. I was already working as a clinical dietitian that I was like, okay, I, I need help. And I finally waved the white flag and um, I went to a facility and inpatient treatment and they brought about mindful nutrition, uh, mindful and intuitive eating nutrition. And they were like, you know, we really want you to honor what your body desires and really enjoy food again. And, you know, you don't have to keep track. And it's really about just discovering what your body's needs are. And I was like, no, you ladies are crazy. I didn't learn that in school. Like, what are you talking about? Um, but I finally stopped being resistant and, um, I finally, you know, step by step. I mean, it definitely was a long process and and it took many years of me really implementing practices and and refocusing on myself and my nourishment in order to get to where I am. And when I started my business, um, I, in my mind, I thought I had to be a weight loss dietitian and solely focus on that because, you know, that was, that was the end thing. And I realized about six months into it that I was being very unauthentic to myself. And I said, you know, we're more than just our bodies. Like, why can't we focus on our health at, at every age, every weight, every stage? And I, I just had like, you know, this bad feeling. I said, I need to make a change. And that's when I started diving back into mindful intuitive eating and then how to share this practice and how to share this nutrition approach. And that's kind of how I got started. Yeah, very cool. Thank you for sharing that because like I said, I didn't know. I obviously kind of know what you do and know your take on nutrition now, but I didn't know maybe how your past story relates to that. And I think that really speaks to um, the the interesting thing um, about nutrition and dietetics, the traditional route of schooling, because I, like you, like I love what I learned. I love the science of nutrition. I love metabolism, what it does for your body. But then I, you know, graduated and I got out into the field and I realized like, okay, that's useful information, but teaching that and telling people that, you know, this is what nutrition is and this is what health is. It just felt, um, too one dimensional to me Mm -hmm. and too, um, yeah, kind of like you said, inauthentic in a way, because I knew from my own experience and what I knew to be true about my own body that it, that was so much more than that. So um, I'm glad to connect with someone like-minded. And it's also interesting to hear, um, I don't have personal experience with like an eating disorder treatment facility or a clinic, but it's interesting to hear that they kind of took a mindful and intuitive approach with you. Is that um, normal? Is that kind of the the trend nowadays or is that uh, really revolutionary? (laughs) So I, um, it was the first facility of its kind that I knew at the time. Um, this was eight years ago, actually, uh, yesterday was the anniversary of my graduation of inpatient treatment. And, uh, and it was, it was the first one. And I had like researched some other facilities. I was in Miami at the time I was born and raised there. And a lot of places were still based on exchanges. And I knew that that would be actually very triggering and very difficult for me. So when I found this facility and, and they said that to me, I was like, all right, I need to just, you know, I, my hands are down. I'm, I, here I am. Please help me. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we learned about the hunger scale and we always focused on that and, you know, what food tasted like, what we were feeling, what the feelings were around that, uh, what our emotions were, um, you know, making sure that we have absolutely no technology around us when we were sitting down at the table as a group. And um, I was their first dietitian patient. Mm-hmm. And I did have to, you know, at some point take me, um, my treatment into my own hands just because I knew my own triggers. And this, I feel like really understanding what tools work for me really helps with my clients because it's about guiding them into what tools are going to help them. And for me, I was after uh, medical leave, I, I, mean, I was getting ready to go back into the real world and I wasn't ready. I was so scared. I had so many fear foods still left in me. And they said, Gisela, what do you need? And I said, blindfold me. And they were like, what? And I said, blindfold me and put food in my mouth. Don't let me see the portion. Don't let me see what it is. I had to use my other senses to discover what the food was. Yeah. And till this day, they use that treatment on other women who had the same fear foods that I did, like, you know, seafood and was freak out would just go, go numb and not understand or, or feel or, or taste what, what foods were. And so it's, it was kind of remarkable that, that they allowed that and they allowed it be for me to just be like, this is what I need from, from you right now. And, um, it really, I feel that there's more and more treatment centers and more and more RDs and practitioners in general diving to mindful and intuitive eating. And so it was, it was great that I got that opportunity of so early on in my career and, you know, just being in recovery. Yeah. That's You sound like a trendsetter in the facility. <laughs> <laughs> that's, um, that's really cool and incredible that they they let you do that because I feel like um, it is a delicate balance when you're working with someone to improve their relationship with food, but also um, trying to guide them along the process. And I think you bring up a really important point that um, no matter what, the individual is still the expert in their own body. So for you to be able to say, like, you know, what you're doing is helping, but I know that I need to be blindfolded or I need to use my my other senses to overcome the fear of certain foods is really cool and that they allowed you the space to be able to do to do that rather than saying no this is our way like you can't do that um, you have to eat this way or recover in this certain way so um, that is very cool cool story I always find people um who have an obvious passion for the field like you do if anyone has ever seen your social media, which we'll get to in a little bit, but it's obvious that you have like a deep um, connection and passion for what you do. And it just makes sense now in my head, it all connects and clicks, but it's such a personal story. So very cool. But you touched on something in there um, with the blindfolding, kind of using more senses than just your eyesight when it comes to food, because I think sometimes a lot of negative behaviors associated with food comes from not only the media, but what we see on other people's plates, what we see depicted as quote unquote healthy or quote unquote the right portion. Um, So maybe touch on a little bit your thoughts as how the other sensations or the other um, senses, that's the word I'm looking for, come into eating. Absolutely. You know, this is something that I really touch base with my corporate wellness clients or anytime I give a workshop or even when I did more on the one-on-one setting about that, you know, food and and enjoying food is more than just visual. Should food visually be appealing to us as often as we can? Absolutely. But when we integrate the rest of our senses, we get to experience food on another level. And I'll give you the first example. The first time they blindfolded me, uh, and they just, they put a spoonful in my mouth and I tasted something for the first time and I could smell. And they were like, what do you taste? And it was a Snickers bar. 
And they were like, what does this do? And I just started crying. And every time I share the story, I get really emotional because they said, what does this do? And I said, it reminds me walking to the grocery store once a week with my grandfather. Um, and we used to go buy Snickers bar. I mean, he had diabetes at the time, probably not the best choice for him. <laughs> But he used to be like, I'll buy you one if you don't tell grandma. And we used to sit on the bench outside of the grocery store and eat a Snickers bar. And so when that, when I tasted a Snickers bar for the first time, it just triggered that memory because food does that to us. Food creates memories, experiences, traditions, moments. And to be able to actually taste each mouthful, like one, you know, one moment I'm tasting more of the caramel, the other moment chocolate or, or the peanut and then smelling it and, and taking time to kind of savor it, what that does. And also having just pleasant conversation with my therapist at the time, like she was the one guiding me through this and just creating that happy memory and that conversation made such a difference because food does that to us. And so when we just think, you know, and I'm sure it happened to you in school too, nutrition, just being, you know, macronutrients, vitamins and minerals, it's so much more than that. And and so that's really what I like to, to focus on and, and bringing that pleasure back and eating again. Yeah, that's actually kind of, it reminds me of one of my sound bites or something that I like to say a lot is um, food is way more than just fuel. And I think deep down, we know this because I always encourage people try to think about any family gathering, any memory of a holiday and think about the glue of that situation. More often than not, it was probably food. But I think over the years, especially in the nutrition field, um, or maybe even if it's someone reading in the media or self-teaching about nutrition, I think over the years um, that gets pushed down and the message that gets pushed on us is, you know, like you said, food is macronutrients, food is vitamins and minerals. If you don't eat these foods, then you're not going to be healthy or you're going to gain weight or maybe you're going to lose weight, all of these different things that food is kind of um, pushed into this one-dimensional category. Whereas with the mindful and intuitive approach, we acknowledge, of course, food is fuel, but it's also all of these other different things that we can't forget about. And something that I really love about this approach is in my mind, it's actually simplifying food. Um, I was having a conversation with a client the other day and, you know, food gets so complicated nowadays. It's like you can, and you can't eat this. You have to eat this portion. You got to eat these numbers. It's like, like I can't even keep track of it. And you and I both are dietitians, right? Yep. yep. <laughs> so that's when you know it's bad. But I said, something really simple. I don't remember what the exact conversation was, but I think it was something along the lines of like, if you don't finish your food now, just put it in the fridge and you can go back to it at any point that you're hungry. And she paused and I was like, are you okay? Like, do you have a question? She was like, no, that was just revolutionary because I've never thought about it that simply. So um, I kind of want to get your take on the mindful and intuitive approach and maybe how, um, in addition to being simple, but how it is really different from the other approaches that are really pushed out there these days. Absolutely. Well, you know, you touched a good point on that. It is simplifying nutrition. And when I got my first corporate wellness opportunity, it was because of that. Like the wellness director uh, of, of the company came to me. She said, you're the first person who comes in here and doesn't say, these are bad foods. These are good foods. You're not allowed to eat this. You have to eat this way. She's like, you really said, focus on yourself and what you enjoy and what's going to work for you. Mm -hmm. And that was so like mind blowing for so many. Cause they were like, what do you mean? You're a dietitian. You're not telling us how to eat. <laughs> and so, so for me, it was about not only making it simple, but think about, you know, 
what tools are either a trigger or stressor for you or what tools are helping you. And I think that's, you know, that that's what makes this approach so different. Maybe food journaling is actually something really positive for you because you are that type of person that drinks a cup of coffee in the morning and that you don't eat until 2 PM. And you're like, by the time you realize you're hungry, you're absolutely famished. And then the food does become mindless. You're just like, I just need to eat something and get it out of the way. And so maybe food journaling is like, okay, wait, I actually sat down and ate breakfast today. When was the last time I ate? Uh, This just helps to remind that I need to nourish my body. Or, um, you know, maybe it's one of my clients used the colors on the plate method kind of thing because she had a lot, a hard time incorporating vegetables. And we're dietitians. We still want to be inclusive of nutrient dense foods. And so it was like starting with one week one, she had to have two colors on her plate. Week two, you know, three colors. And it was just giving herself more visually. Like if I have more colors on my plate, I'm going to be a little bit more inclusive of different foods and at least I'm going to try them. Mm -hmm. So again, it's about discovering what's going to work for them. And also just being able to say, I'm going to disconnect from, you know, from work, from, um, from the TV, from anything that's creating kind of a a barrier to my nourishment experience. And anytime I have, does life happen? And sometimes we have to eat in the car or eat during a work meeting or eating on the go, whatever it is. Absolutely. But it's any opportunity that we have to enjoy food to do so. Yeah, I completely agree with that. And I think that's why I love it so much is because it's, we're eating in a way that nourishes our body. We're not um, neglecting nutrients or certain foods, but we're simply trying to incorporate them in a way that is enjoyable, that's visually appealing, that appeals to our taste buds, um, that make us feel strong and confident in our choices rather than um, shamed or guilt or guilted. Is that a word? I don't know. Anything like that. Um, <laughs> by our choices, but you said something really interesting, um, kind of in the beginning of, of your spiel there. And it was something along the lines of, uh, when someone comes to a dietitian or when someone thinks about a dietitian, they start thinking, okay, tell me what to eat. Or Mm -hmm. I want you to tell me exactly what's good, exactly what's bad. And what I've come to realize maybe, um, actually some roadblocks for me in this path has been people are actually kind of more closed off to this mindful and intuitive way of thinking because we are not giving black and white answers. Like sometimes I find, um, people not as willing to work with you or to hear you out because all they want is your quote unquote professional expertise in a word document and how it exactly applies to them. So I'd kind of like to get your take on how you maybe approach those situations where someone is very, um, maybe not totally closed off to the idea, but they would rather hear exactly what you want them to do and kind of how you let them know that, hey, mindful and intuitive eating can actually be more of a powerful tool for the long run. Absolutely. You know, and I, and I totally hear what you're saying because it, it's happened to me so many times. And the reality is, is that this approach is different. And I think people resist because they don't trust in themselves. Mm-hmm. They're like, no, I, if I have donuts at, the, at my house, I can't have them. I won't be able to stop you know, or I, if you don't give me something verbatim as to what I need to eat, I'm not going to know how to do it. And so that's why, you know, for me, when I talk to somebody about my point to eating, I say, you know, we take it one meal at a time, one step at a time, one day at a time, Mm -hmm. because if you are going to give them something that's going to make them flip 180, the reality is it's unlikely to be sustainable. Mm 
because we have to be able to meet them as to where their life is right now. Maybe it's food budget, maybe it's work schedule, maybe it's family life, whatever it is. And so that's what I try to make clients understand. It's like, listen, I, I hear what you're saying about that you need some guidance and that's what I'm here for. But let's take it one meal at a time, one day at a time, one step at a time. Because if I give you something written completely out, like this is the amount of calories you need and this is the exact food list that you need, um, you know, how, how likely are you to adapt it fully? And they start to think, they're like, well, yeah, maybe you're right. Like, for me, you know, some clients can do the Sunday, you know, meal prep Sunday and, and cook for three hours. Like that's not my life, you know? And so it's again, like what, what can help them? Maybe it is that every time they're in the kitchen, they just cook a little bit more. And so I always say like, cooking in bulk or batch cooking so that they still are able to create different meals with food that's already prepared. And it's, it's just finding them in the middle as to, you know, what's going to work right now and what can you adapt right now? Yeah. I like how you phrased it, kind of meeting them where they're at or meeting them in the middle, because so often um, what I feel like maybe other programs or other coaches, other dietitians or whoever it is may do, um, maybe not in this approach. It's, you know, here is this plan. Um, here is what you do. And, you know, the person on the receiving end may at one point be like, great, this is exactly what I wanted. I wanted to be told what to do. And here it is. But then a month from now, um, maybe they've spent X amount of dollars and the plan was great when they first started but now it's totally not reality and it's totally not happening because it's not sustainable. And that's why I like the, the mindful and intuitive approach because it's a little bit less, um, I don't want to say hand-holding, but it's definitely kind of teaching the person to be the expert in their own body and giving them more of the responsibility up front, even though that may be harder in the beginning. But how I always like to think about it is I know people aren't going to want to work with me for a lifetime, right? (laughs) Right. We're not going to be working together for years. I mean, if someone wanted to work for years and years, cool, I'd be down. But more often than not, it's not going to be a lifelong thing. So what I would want to do, and I know you would probably agree with this as a practitioner, I want to teach you how to fuel your body in a way that fits your lifestyle, in a way that makes you feel good, in a way that doesn't tie you necessarily to your phone or an app or a diet Mm -hmm. so that years from now, um, when we're all old and gray, you'll still be happy in your own body um, and not still trying to find what works for you. So I love that that's your approach. One thing that I'm interested to ask you about um, Mm -hmm. I know sometimes in social media, which we are both very active on, you're one of my Mm -hmm. favorite accounts to follow because you have such cool things to learn from, but um, I feel like mindful and intuitive eating are both buzzwords right now. Mm -hmm. Um, Both get thrown around a lot and and, in a lot of ways, positive ways, but in some ways I feel like they are misrepresented or people use them in ways that isn't a true reflection on what the words mean. Mm -hmm. So I want you to kind of touch on any common misconceptions that you see um, and maybe your opinions towards those or maybe how we should discern like true mindful intuitive eating from what's maybe portrayed that isn't true to those words. 
Absolutely. You know, I think I, I see a little bit on, on some extremes or, or, you know, mixed messages, like you said. And one, it's so funny, another dietitian tagged me uh, in, in a post. It was from a fitness professional. And she's talking about, you know, she hashtagged intuitive eating and it, what her message was, it had nothing to do with that. And it was about like, don't sabotage your diet or your lifestyle on the, you know, on your cheat day kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. So I was like, oh, this has nothing to do with intuitive eating. You know, what is intuitive eating? It's honoring your intuition with, with the food that, that your body needs at that moment. And so I, you know, that kind of threw me off. But I also see a lot of, unfortunately, a lot of food shaming. And, you know, who are we as practitioners, as everyday people, as whoever it is to say, you know, and this is the example I say all the time that halo top ice cream is not as satisfying as Hagen does. Mm -hmm. And if for an individual, if the halo top flavor is something they really enjoy and, you know, add a bonus, it's got a little more protein. That's great. We're no one to judge that. Mm -hmm. And so someone choosing a quote unquote healthier item or lower calorie item doesn't make it um, anti-intuitive, you know, it's not okay to food shame. And so I think we see that too, that, that intuitive eating means that we have to have the full sugar, full fat versions of everything. And that's not true. Intuitive eating really is about, again, honoring that intuition and what's going to bring you that food satiety, food contentment. Yeah, that's something really important that you just hit on there um, because I see that as well. And I think it's really easy um, or easier as a intuitive eating dietitian or a quote, you know, whatever you want to call it, non-diet dietitian. It's easy um, to take the lower calorie foods or the foods that are uh, represented as quote unquote healthier. And it's easier to shame those as being bad or it's easier to kind of say, you know, you don't need those. Never eat halo top when you could eat normal ice cream and it tastes way better, right? It's easy to kind of hop on our intuitive eating horse and say anyone who chooses halo top is not being true to their own body and they just don't want to gain weight, right? But what we have to realize is exactly what you just said that some people, now I am not one of those people who thinks Halo Top tastes better personally, personal opinion, but some people may actually like it more and that is simply not our place to call them out on following a diet or say you're adapting to diet culture if you eat Halo Top rather than regular ice cream. And I think that's really important and that's kind of a, a side of the coin that doesn't really get talked about a lot because what I see in the media when it comes to you know, non-diet nutrition or intuitive eating. Um, the more I follow these movements, the more I see that they're really kind of starting to be a black and white movement where mm -hmm. it's like, if you don't agree with intuitive eating, or if you don't agree with this, then you're wrong and <laughs> we can't be friends. So, I mean, do you see that a lot as well? I do. And I think, you know, I think we, we lose as to what's, what helps other individuals, you know, who are on this journey, what helps people understand nutrition. And we forget about that. Like for me, I'm not one that's going to attack diet culture. I'm not going to shame another practitioner mm -hmm. because that's not helping my audience, my audience. You know, I really focus on always bringing positivity and being in as inclusive as I can. And I think that's, what's important. And it's really about discovering, like if somebody says, Gisela, I want to go plant-based because I, I want to lose weight for health purposes. I'm not going to shame them for wanting to lose weight. I'm going to say, okay, well, where can we start? You want to go more plant-based? Let's see what foods you can try to incorporate more of. You know, it's all about adding more instead of taking away. And I think that's really important. Like 
like you said, like the, the halo top, if they actually enjoy that, I'm not going to take it away and be like, you have to eat the full fat ice cream. That, yeah. that, that's not right. And it's, again, it's like, what's going to help the individual. And I think a lot of times because of social media, the way it is, or, or because of messages that we hear that gets lost. And I, I always want to focus on my clientele or the, per, the people that are potentially viewing me to guide them in their health. Mm -hmm. It's kind of, um, something I always remind myself, like what adds value? Like Mm -hmm. is this practice with my food adding value to my life? Is this practice with my business adding value to my life? And if the answer is no, then I stray away from it. But I think you bring up a really interesting point about if someone comes to you and weight loss is part of their goal, um, not shaming that because sometimes also what I see in the media is with whether it's intuitive eating, you know, non-diet culture, whatever it is, sometimes that goal gets shamed. Mm -hmm. And I kind of see eye to eye with you. And I personally believe that if someone doesn't want to lose weight, they shouldn't have to lose weight. Right. But if someone comes to me and they say, Hey, Claire, I love your message. I love what you're talking about. But, um, in order for me to feel confident and feel good in my own body, increase my mobility, regardless of what I'm hearing in the media, um, you know, weight loss is still a part of my goal. Then my answer is always like, first of all, thank you so much. Like, I'm glad you like my content. I'm glad you like what you're reading. And I'll let you know that my program isn't necessarily weight based, but if that's your goal, that's not my place to say, no, I can never help you do that. So it's really, again, meeting them where they're at. And if that's part of their goal, like you just said, I think you put it beautifully, not shaming it, but helping them to reach that in a way that doesn't succumb to um, the really negative messaging or restricting or things um, like that. But something I'm also interested about um, in this conversation of um, kind of riding the middle line between diet culture and having an open um, approach to mindful and intuitive eating. Something that I also see a fair amount is that practitioners who are um, maybe more intuitive eating based or someone like you and I who would say to a client, you know, if you want the full fat ice cream, eat that because you're going to spend more quote unquote mental calories stressing over what you didn't eat rather than just having it. I think sometimes people view that recommendation um, as being anti-health mm-hmm. or like, how can you be a dietitian? And you know, this person says they want to lose weight, but you're still telling them it's okay to eat full fat ice cream. Kind of what would your response be um, to anyone who views this stance as not helpful or anti-health or anything like that? Right. Well, I think it's always great to, first of all, share personal experiences. You know, I tell my clients, like I eat a cookie or a piece of chocolate every day. And they're like, you do? And I'm like, yeah, I'm like, food isn't forbidden. And so it's not about being anti-health. It's about, you know, again, are we creating a full 180 shift and then not having it be sustainable? Then having someone think about like, are you going to be angry because there's certain foods that you can't have, or you're not allowing yourself to have, what's that experience going to be like? And tomorrow you're, you know, at a social party with your kids and there's ice cream. Are you going to keep denying yourself that? And how are, how are you going to, you know, respond to it? Is it, 
that afterward you're going to just not find that satiety with, with ice cream and just like, you know, eat more than you would have because it's very mindless. Mm -hmm. Or is it going to be that you're angry because you're not allowed to have that? So it's about think, having them think about the mental response and the emotional response around certain foods instead of saying, listen, if you have the ice cream and you find pleasure in that and then you're done and, and it was good. And that's all you don't have to keep pondering on it and worrying about it. And I think for women to like really talk about hormonal imbalances and what that does to our stress factor, to our cortisol levels, you know, and bringing that stress, I think really helps to make them visual like, oh yeah, this is what happens to me, this vicious, this vicious cycle. And again, not that er I also hear and see a lot that, you know, deprivation and restriction always leads to binge eating. Binge is such a, you know, it's such a vague word because that looks different on everybody. But I do believe that restriction leads to that stress factor, whether it is emotional or physical or all of the above. And um, so it's really thinking about helping a client and saying, okay, the times that you have restricted the full fat ice cream or whatever it is, how have you reacted? What's happened to you? Well, you know, once I've got, I got off my 12 week program, all I wanted was that ice cream. And what happened? Well, I had the whole bucket, you know, or, you know, I just said, no, I can't have it. I can't have it. I can't have it. And so I haven't had it in this amount of time. And I think about that with like, with me, with my, with the Snickers bar, I spent 10 years without having it, you know? Yeah. And so just to be able to find it, enjoy it mindfully, what a different experience it was. So even if a client has forever restricted something or for so long, then what tools can we give them to help them like sit and enjoy it at that moment? Mm -hmm. And I think that really speaks to um, all nutrition approaches, I think, should be individualized, but especially mm -hmm. when it comes to mindful and intuitive eating, because um, we're not just talking about your body necessarily, but we're also talking about your mind and what goes on in there. And everyone's internal speak, everyone's opinions, thoughts, views about food are going to be different. So by saying, and I love the example that you gave, by saying, a hundred percent of the time, if you restrict, you're always going to binge. I feel like that's one really scary to tell someone. <laughs> yeah. um, like, like you said, binging may look different for everyone. And maybe that isn't even someone's response to restricting. So um, kind of how can we, again, meet them in the middle or meet them where they're at to relate it back to their personal experience and say, Hey, think about one time when you practice this certain activity or engaged in a certain activity, how did you respond? And then, um, kind of getting into their internal speak in order to make recommendations and to figure out what's going to work best for them rather than saying, um, you know, this always happens if you do X, Y, Z. So I think that's really cool. Um, one thing you said too, and I actually, I tuned into your, your webinar. I think you know this. Um, she did a webinar, I don't know, was it a month or two ago at this point? And you were talking about your mindful and intuitive um, eating certification. I may have have botched that, yeah. um, but for health professionals and one idea that I found to be really revolutionary. Again, this was like really, really simple, but I had just never framed it in this order. Um, you were talking about in order to eat intuitively, we have to first be mindful. Mm -hmm. um, and I think a lot of the times it gets portrayed as the other way around. Um, so it's like you have to eat intuitively and then you learn how to eat mindfully or that's how I once believed that it was. So I want you to kind of touch on if someone is totally new to the idea of 
eating mindfully. Like I've even been in situations where I've used the word mindful eating and I've gotten blank stares, like people don't know what it means. Um, so if someone is totally new to this concept of eating mindfully, maybe a couple words of advice on how that can be really powerful in transforming a relationship with food. Absolutely. And I, and like you said, Claire, I, I bring that a lot. And I say that mindful eating has to come before intuitive eating because in order to really honor what foods we desire, we have to understand what our body needs. Yeah. And that comes through mindful eating. And um, the Center for Mindful Eating really you know brings the, the definition so clear. It's about eating with intention while paying attention. And so for me, it's at, whether I'm giving a workshop or working with someone one-on-one, it's asking them like, Think about when you're eating, what's going on. Are you standing? Are you in front of the TV? Are you in the car? How, you know, are you in front of your desk? What's going on? And so for them to really think about and just say, how often, okay, are you in front of the TV? How often are you eating at your desk? And just making them more aware and bringing that awareness to what they're, how they're eating first is really important. And I think an important tool with mindful eating is the hunger level scale. Mm -hmm. And I love that scale because like, you know, so many of our clients are visual, you know, like they want that full meal plan saying exactly what they need to eat. So I'm like, here's the hunger level scale. I want you to think about how hungry you are before a meal and how full you are. And I think that really gives someone a visualization of saying, of thinking about their body and really connecting their bodies and their minds to understand like, this is actually how much nourishment I need at this time. And so when they start to really become more aware of their hunger and fullness and, and when they actually need nourishment, then we can start flourishing that intuition. So I always say, okay, before we bring out the intuitive eating and you understanding how you can honor your body when it wants a donut, okay, or wants kale salad, um, let's, let's talk about what's going on with when you're eating. So for example, if I have, I've had clients who have been nurses. So we say, okay, maybe at work, it's really difficult to start implementing mindful eating practices, but the, the three days that you're home, let's make sure the TV's off, make sure you're not cleaning and trying to eat in between bites. Like let's just sit down and enjoy 20 minutes of nourishment. And that's where we start. Mm-hmm. No, I, I love that. And I think mindfulness is something that can really be overlooked when it comes to food, especially if someone has never tried these practices or maybe they don't even know that every time they eat, they're eating with a phone in hand or Mm -hmm. every time they eat at home, the TV is always on or um, they're so in a rush that they don't even realize how much is on their plate. So first building that awareness of what are you doing when you're Mm -hmm. eating? I know um, before I got into, you know, learning more about mindful and intuitive eating, I maybe sometimes wouldn't have even been able to tell you what I did when I ate. I was like, I don't know. I'm just being so mindless. But the thing I love that it does is once you build the awareness of what you're actually doing, then too, this plays back into your Snickers story. Um, it allows you to tap into all five senses. And yep. something that, that I found interesting in my personal journey is when you actually start paying attention, it's kind of like a romantic experience with your food. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, mm-hmm. Especially if you're eating alone at home, it's like you can light a candle, sit down, like look at your food. But you may start to realize that you don't even like some of the foods that you've been putting on your plate. Or maybe something you've been totally um, not open-minded to. You're like, no, I don't want to try that. When you actually put it on your plate and try it mindfully, it may not be that bad. So it's really kind of 
a more open-minded approach that allows you to use all of the senses your body is equipped with to enjoy your food and find what works best for you. So um, I think it's a very, very interesting approach. And I love how much it kind of taps into the psychology of food and not just the nutrition itself. Um, But one thing I wish I really and truly wish, because I didn't finish school all that long ago. I, maybe it's like my destiny one day to become a professor and teach this, but it's really not taught in school. Like I didn't take one class in my nutrition related coursework on intuition, mindfulness, food psychology. I mean, did you, that just wasn't a thing for me. I I didn't. And it's kind of like I've been learning uh, as I go along. I've learned through my own experience and when I'm working with clients and I, you know, a lot of things, uh, a lot of times I tell clients, you know, mindfulness is is something that we'd have, you know, as from birth. Mm -hmm. And I I tell them, you know, when we're babies, we cry when we're hungry. And when we're full, we push mom's breast or the bottle away. And so when I put it like that, I'm like, babies are very in tune with that. And what happens, a lot of us grow up with like, you can't get up from the table until you finish your plate. And that's somebody else deciding what, how much we need instead of us saying like, no, I'm full mom. It's okay. And it's not, it's not on purpose. It just happens. So we tend to lose that. And then stress happens and things like that. And life happens. And so I really just try to tell people, let's flourish that, you know? And then I go back to like, when you're introducing solids to the baby, the foods that, that they love, they're smiling, they want more. The ones they don't like, you know, they're spitting in your face or they're throwing it to the dog. So yeah, <laughs> well, what yeah. happens is that babies are very in tune. Again, they see the food, they're excited, they're tasting it, taking their time. Sometimes you see it smelling, uh, you know, so it's, it's really flourishing what we already have within us. It's just bringing it back to, to that awareness. And I think, you know, we definitely didn't learn this in school. And I think that's one of the reasons why, um, my business coach and I, Amy Howard's created the mindful intuitive eating practitioner program mm-hmm. because we really want to bring this back to not only dietitians, but to so many wellness professionals. And we have one person in our program now who's also a professor. And she's like, I really want to start teaching this to my students because it is so different. And we, we have it like nutrition is so much more than calories and macronutrients. It's about the individual and how we can guide them to really nourish their bodies. Yeah, that's very cool that you have a professor in there who's kind of taking interest. I would love to see that in the future because that's like the one I loved my coursework. I loved the road to being a dietitian. And in the moment, I didn't know that was lacking because I was never exposed to it. But then I got out and like we were talking about earlier, uh, I just didn't feel authentic or genuine spreading a nutrition message that was so calorie in, calorie out focused. But it was a lot of self-learning that got me to a place where I felt comfortable to even talk about it. And I'm still learning about it every single day, but you know, 10 years from now, I would love for a young dietitian to be like, Claire, like I just got out of my mindful and intuitive eating class. (laughs) Like, I think that would be amazing. Um, but one, one follow-up comment to something you said earlier about the babies. Um, I use that example a lot with my clients too, because I even mentioned this before we started recording. I feel like there's a lot of skepticism and people not really believing that mindful and intuitive eating can be a really transformative practice. And that's kind of always my counter. 
I say, well, I don't say remember back to when you were a baby because most of us can't remember that. I know I can at least, but especially people who have kids, I know you're a mom. So you've Mm -hmm. seen it firsthand. I personally don't have kids one day. Hopefully I'll be able to see this, but um, to know that babies are born with the innate ability to um, monitor their hunger cues, to let you know when they're hungry, to moderate their intake, eat when they're hungry, stop when they're full. And I always tell people, like you said, it's not something that you lose. It's just something that's kind of pushed down over the years from um, your parents telling you how much or your tracking app telling you um, that's too much to eat or, you know, so I think that's um, a really cool way to look at it. And I remember when I first um, heard that analogy, when I first read it, I was like, oh my God, this is revolutionary. So I'm so, so glad you brought that up. Um, But I want to be respectful of your time here. Um, And I do have a final question, but before I give it to you, I want to thank you so much for your time, for coming on the podcast. I feel like we truly see, or truly, I should say, um, see eye to eye on these topics. And, um, if anyone wants to get more of you or see more of what you put out, I know I've mentioned your social media account multiple times already in this 40 minutes of talking, but, um, how can they find you and how can they maybe learn more about you? Absolutely. They can check out my Instagram. Um, my Instagram handle is at corporate nutritionist and my website is mindfullyintuitivenutrition.com. Yeah. And anyone who is listening, if this is speaking to you, if you're interested in mindful and intuitive eating, I would highly recommend you check out Gisela's Instagram. She posts a lot of cool things. Some, some things that you post like the word graphics. I'm like, how did she even come up with that? (laughs) I love it. Um, but it's always very thought provoking and very educational. But my last question for you, the question that I always wrap up my, my podcast with is because I'm a big fan, obviously, of mindful and intuitive eating, but also being gentle in your approach to nutrition and your approach to life. So something that I enjoy asking my guests is, what are you doing, um, Gisela, in your daily life, in your mindset to live gently or to live in a way that gives yourself the space to grow and flourish to the best version of yourself um, while celebrating every step along the way instead of um, taking yourself down for maybe all that doesn't get done? Oh, I love this question. First of all, Claire, I want to thank you for having me on the podcast. This is so fun. And I'm so glad we got to talk about this. I I love connecting with practitioners who have, you know, the same mindset and approach. And for me, being gentle with myself is before I had a hard time with creating boundaries or saying, you know, I need a break. And for me, creating that break or, or saying, you know, I just need a time out for myself and whether it's meditation, going on a walk or just getting a few breaths in, that's what helps to flourish myself, me as a mom, as a wife, um, as a, as a business owner, because if we don't allow ourselves to just breathe, then we can't be gentle ourselves and we can't continue to flourish. There's only certain, you know, we can only reach so far with, with stress or with hardships or with, with, stumbling blocks around the way. So Mm -hmm. for me, it's just giving myself a break when I need it. Yeah. You're being mindful, not only with your food, but also your approach to life. I love it. (laughs) 
Exactly. Yeah. Well, thank you again so much for being here on the podcast. I truly appreciate your time. And I know all the listeners do as well. Some major knowledge bombs in this episode. But um, for all of you listening, if you are loving what you're hearing on the Yours Truly podcast, I would highly um, appreciate some stars to indicate your level of likingness of what you're hearing. Um, Leave us a rating or a comment to tell us what you learned so that we can continue um, to grow this platform and to bring you gentle nutrition, mindful eating, uh, intuitive eating messages along the way. But until next time, yours truly, Gisela and Claire.